Hi friends! I am so glad you're here, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for episode 10. Yes, that's right, 10 episodes in, which might not seem like a big deal, but it's a huge deal to me, and I'm just so glad to have shared this journey with all of you. I'm also excited that this podcast is now being listened to in seven different countries. So to all of our non-U.S. listeners, thank you so much for finding us and joining us on this journey. For all of my U.S. listeners, thank you so much for your love and support. Um, I've just had so much fun doing these podcasts, and the guests have been incredible. These are all people I greatly admire, and just I'm so thankful that they were willing to jump on the microphone with me. On this episode, you're going to meet with Stacey McCracken. Stacey McCracken is the owner and operator of McCracken Co., which is a modern agricultural marketing company. And the coolest thing about her company, in my opinion, is the fact that all of her employees work remotely, and they've done so before the pandemic. So Stacey's going to talk to us today about how to be a boss virtually, and it's just going to be such a fun episode. So go grab a beer and join us for this episode of Life Over a Beer. Okay, so I'm here with Stacey McCracken, and Stacey, do you want to tell the audience what we're drinking? Yeah, so I'm trying to hold on to every last piece of summer that I can, so I'm drinking one of my last Bud Light seltzers. Mango's personally my favorite flavor, um, but I got into those this summer. It was just like the perfect summery drink. What are you drinking? I am drinking Flat Tire. Um, It's by the New Belgium Brewing Company, and it's their Amber Ale. So it's a very like smooth, easy drinking. It has that very caramely malts flavor in your mouth and it's not super heavy. That's what I like about it is it's not crazy heavy. Um, For all of our people that maybe aren't big into the craft beers, this is a good like kind of crafty, but doesn't get you real hoppy. Um, It really has about no hops at all, Um, but it's a really easy, fun drinking beer. Um, I also love the bicycle, but I'm always a little sad there's no actual flat tire on it. I just always feel like that's a marketing fail, but not to like disrespect the people that work at that company, but I'm always like, wait, if it's called, oh, I guess it's called fat tire, not flat tire. That's a big difference. No, I always thought it was flat tire too, but I think you described that very well. I really love a hoppy beer. And so that one is just like easing into it, just a little step up for maybe your Bud Light or your Bush Light into something yeah. a little bit fancier. And I've actually never had seltzer beers. So full disclosure, never had them. Um, but I know that's a really big thing this summer. They've kind of come on in the last two summers. It is. And I will say when the seltzers first came out, that just wasn't me. I like a hoppy beer. I like a really dry wine. I'm not into fruity stuff or overly sweet drinks. Well, my friend's like, you got to give these a try. And it kind of tricks you into thinking you're drinking your water for the day. So, you know, <laughs> balancing out that alcohol water ratio. I don't know. It's been a fun Absolutely. summery drink. We'll see if we'll, we're still into them next summer. Yeah, I hope so. Because I, I, I probably should try it, but I need to try it with a friend that's already drinking it. But Stacey, do you want to tell the audience what you do? I mean, you do a plethora of things and I don't want to butcher it and I don't want to downplay all the great stuff you do. 
So I started McCracken Co. Uh, several years ago. It's a modern marketing and communication strategy company for agriculture. So we help agricultural organizations find their voice or share their story with members, customers, or consumers. So everything from social media to websites, public relations, uh, trade show and live events and a little bit of everything in between. So definitely wanted to start an organization that's going to service the farm families that are so close to my heart. Absolutely. And I just think it's so cool because I've seen a couple different pieces of your work, whether it was with Ohio Corn and Wheat, um, you know, you've done a bunch of different commodities throughout the state. And I just always really appreciate your work. It's so crisp and clean and very modern and eye catching. So the cool thing about what you do is you have a team that's fully remote before COVID ever hit. Yeah, we have always been remote. So when I started McCracken Co. a couple of years ago, I wanted to create an organization that would support some of the best people in the industry. Uh, agency life is traditionally a little challenging. You know, you're putting in a lot of hours, you're doing whatever you can to service um, your company and or your clients. So I wanted to start a business that really supported people's life goals. And, you know, whether that's they wanted to be a present mom or they wanted to travel the world, I wanted to create an organization that would support that. And so everyone works from home and we've always been like that. So in some ways when COVID hit, it was kind of a bummer. Nothing changed for us. Uh, we were always remote. We didn't, um, but it was nice not to have that learning curve. So um, I have people stretching from Minneapolis to um, throughout the state of Ohio, uh, up in Michigan, Indiana, South Dakota, the team is all over the place and we are all working together on these common goals to serve our agricultural clients. Cool. And remind me, you have a team of eight? So um, I set up teams in a way that are going to best service the client. And so I right now round about 10 people um, helping me out. But back to that flexibility that we've set up, I have some people who are full-time uh, with McCracken Co. And then I have some people who are more project-based or contract and help on a specific opportunity. Yeah, so we're about 10 people strong and stretched throughout a couple time zones. <laughs> That's awesome. So one of the big news of this year is that a lot of people had to work from home for the very first time. Um, and a lot of people have never done that before and they didn't even know where to start. And depending on what state you were in, you might've gotten a lot of notice that you're potentially going to start working from home. So you need to start figuring out your plan to some states. It was overnight. All of a sudden, you know, you're working in the office one day, the very next day, you're no longer going back to the office. So for a lot of people, it was a huge learning curve. And they didn't really know what to do and their employers didn't necessarily know what to do because no one had ever done that. So I think a lot of people were really, you know, Googling, what about, how do you work from home? Those kind of tips. So what kind of tips would you give somebody who was working from home the very first time? My biggest tip would be have open and honest conversations with your team and your supervisor. Uh, working from home is definitely a different way of working. Um, 
you don't have that commute, so it's easy to sit down and you know maybe get started a little earlier. You have the distractions of the dog that wants out or the dog that's now surprised that you're here all day. So um, pets kind of distracting you. You also have the laundry or the dishes that are there. Or um, you know this year with COVID, we had family or we had other people home with us or our kids home with us. So I think it's just really important to upfront talk about your situation and talk about your environment. You know, I'm fortunate working from home. When we moved into this place, we set up, this was Stacy's office. We knew we wanted to have a designated place for her, but not everyone has that designated place. And so having that conversation with your employer about how you're going to set up and how you're going to operate just sets things up for success. I, I think open communication is so important and it's hard to do that because you don't want to be appear you don't want it to appear like you're not working or hey I have this distraction or um, hey I really don't have that great of a workspace so I'm working off the kitchen table and you're going to hear you know people in the background whatever it is but I think when you're open and honest with people um, everyone can have the right expectations and um, I always tell the team clarity's kindness so we have to be clear with each other it's the only way we can support each other. I like that. Clarity is kindness. I think so even, from someone. I need to like be able to to uh, attribute that to who, whoever said it first. <laughs> yeah, but I do love that, and I think that was such a missing piece in a lot of people's lives when COVID first started because there was a ton of stress. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, people's work lives, home lives, and everything got squished together, mm-hmm. and I I just don't think our brains were meant to be workers and moms and all these things at the same time. I'm so lucky. My situation was very different than many folks. I don't have kids and I don't have a husband. So working from home, I thrived in the fact that I didn't have all these distractions like I usually do normally in the day from bouncing office to office or, you know, commuting and meetings and all the phone ringing all the time and things like that. But for a lot of folks, that was not the case. They had a very strong um, strong rate of distractions and people that needed them maybe when they were on the phone or on zoom calls. Yeah. I was very thankful. We don't have school aged kids because that's a whole nother dynamic. You know, those kids needed to sit down and get their schoolwork done, whether that was jumping in zoom meetings or doing their own system of, you know, some type of hybrid or virtual approach. Um, it goes back to having that conversation with your employer. You know, I had a couple of clients where um, I encouraged them, ultimately, you need to be a parent first. So let's talk about when your kid needs to plug in, you know, do they have a course or a class every day at such and such time that we need to plan for? Let's blot that out and adjust accordingly. And I guess that would kind of lead me into my next tip. To work from home successfully, I highly recommend block scheduling. And so what that means is blocking out on your calendar when you're going to do different things. And then I will set my timer. I have like a kitchen timer that I physically use for that time block. And so if I'm going to block an hour to work on creating copy, I'll put everything on do not disturb, set that timer for an hour, and then I'm essentially trying to beat the clock, like trying to get my work done as fast as I can. So then when the timer went off, normally it meant that my husband, you know, had to work 
or it was lunchtime or someone needed me in the house. And then I could run across the driveway. I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, 15 steps of separation between the two. Um, but I could run over and be present. And sometimes I would set another timer to know when I needed to run back into the office and join a call or just get back to work. So setting out that schedule and planning, you know, when I'm going to do what would keep me accountable, um, keep me focused on getting my work done, but then also put putting the buffers on the day when I'm going to start and when I'm going to stop. Yeah, that was probably the thing I struggled with the most is because during COVID, that was the most uninterrupted time. Because you don't really, I mean, I didn't realize how much time in my workday I spent commuting to all these different meetings or you're solving, you're fixing the printer for the fourth time that week or, you know, whatever office distractions happen. So I had this, you know, really big time that I could work on big creative projects that needed my attention. And I was able to start early. And but then I also found myself working very late into the evening. Yeah, when it first hit and Derek moved home and the kids were home, we put our heads down and we worked like crazy because yeah, there was no buffer. There was nothing to do in the evening. There was no, hey, we need to stop and go pick the kids up from daycare. I think one of the big cons of working from home is there you can work tons of hours and have no separation uh, between work and personal life if you don't intentionally put that barrier in there. I think a lot of people felt that over these last few months. Yeah, especially if I think it is easier because I have a home office too. Um, but I ended up having to switch to my dining room table because my internet phone for some reason wouldn't pick up in my office. I guess I just don't work. I work. I, I guess I work in there, but not enough that my office phone when it rang to the internet phone. I just never had to pick it up in there, I guess. So that didn't work. So I ended up having to move to the kitchen table. But yeah, if you're, if you got all the family stuff going on, I think it is hard to separate. But I love what you said about setting a timer that this, this is the time that we're doing it. And I ended up having to do that too. I would set my alarm every day, you know, four or five o'clock. That way I knew I needed to close the laptop, go do something else. Yeah. Um, Anyone can work all hours of the day, or if you're in the groove of it, you just get going because you don't have that person distracting you saying, hey, I'm, I'm leaving for the day for that personal reminder, hey, I need to wrap up, um, or you just have no one distracting you, which is awesome for being able to sit down to focus, but then it can backfire too. Absolutely. What do you think will change the most? If like our, like for example, Ohio was locked down and then we open back up. If we lock down again, what things do you think we'll know better this time around working from home than we did the last time? I'm really optimistic that if we would lock down again, we would all approach it in a more thoughtful means. Um, you know, back to that piece that we could work so many hours of the day. I think we would be more thoughtful this time around to have a stronger start and stop or to recognize, you know, a couple hours of homeschool of homeschooling equals the whole eight hours they have in a work in a normal school day because, you know, you're walking to recess or you're taking those different breaks. I think when we started 2020 
we went all in and honestly, you know, my husband and I saw it as an opportunity to get stuff done. You know, we didn't look at it as a way to slow down. I was getting to the office about five, five thirty, working. He would come in and work late. You know, we used to ask this, Oh my gosh, we're going to get a chance to catch up because Stacy's not on the road and, um, he doesn't have evening activities. However, it quickly backfired. And when we hit into that April and May and we saw, you know, this is what we're dealing with right now. And he's going to continue to be home. Uh, burning yourself out like that is not sustainable. So I really hope if we would go into another type of, um, you know, stay at home order or something like that, we would all be a little more thoughtful about creating buffers between work and personal life and recognizing we can sit down and be really focused and get a whole work day done in a few hours because we're not burning time at the coffee pot or we're not uh, walking in between classrooms because we can quickly be workaholics. Everyone can if you're not careful. And so I would like for us next time to, to just keep those buffers in there and remember uh, there's more to life than work and school. Yeah. And I think people are either in one or two camps. They are either, they love their work and they really get involved or they're like living for the weekend. And I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely am more in the workaholic camp just because I like seeing progress and I like accomplishing things and doing all of that. But yeah, it's been very interesting to see how people reacted to COVID. And a lot of people had stuff you know, going on besides COVID that maybe played into the factors, but that was a big thing. I hope that going in, if we ever do go in another lockdown, I hope I'm more mindful of too. And I also hope that I'm more mindful of just being thankful that my situation is the way it is. Cause I think it's easy to be like, Oh my gosh, I have to cancel these events and redo everything I did. But I also like, didn't I was alone so I didn't need to care for someone else or make sure somebody else's school was going right I could just do my work exactly and you know we tried really hard to focus on different family activities and so like we turned Friday into family movie night and we would watch a movie and the girls would really like that and we just treated it as a way to make the weekend feel a little different because when you're always home and everyone's there, it's really easy to have Saturday feel just like Monday does. And so create those little changes. Um, you know, maybe you cook something fun for supper or everyone can have juice. I don't know. You can tell I have small little kids. Like those are the rewards we have in the McCracken house. Um, but those little things just to make the weekend feel like a restful weekend instead of just plowing through and every day's the same. Absolutely, breaking it up. So going back to your team and project, like handling projects remotely, how do you keep that all organized? You've got a lot of people you're in charge of. So I live and die by a tool called Asana, A-S-A-N-A. -A -A. And it is an online project management tool that's free there's a paid version but i actually really advocate for the free version and it allows you to track different projects the steps the um, attachments everything is in this system and it's been so successful for us because we are in different time zones different situations 
and I can just log into this platform and know where a project's at or answer questions that the team has um, all right there. It's cut down on a lot of our internal emailing. I always say, if you have to email me personally, like my different teammates, it needs to be something that's confidential or you just have no idea where it should go in Asana and you don't want to put it in the wrong place so it doesn't get lost. Um, but otherwise we have all conversations in Asana. And so this project management tool keeps us on track. We can set different deadlines, different priorities, and it allows you to be really present when you sit down to work. Each morning you get an email that kind of summarizes what your to-dos for the day are. And so it was really nice in COVID. I could be distracted by you know, something that happened that night or something that Derek was trying to do in his classroom that I could come in, pull up my asana and say, okay, here are the four things I have to get done today. My team's already chimed in. All their conversations are right there. Um, and it was just a really helpful tool to keep us organized. Awesome. So again, that is Asana, A-S-A-N-A -A, for the listeners. Um, and I actually use Asana too. Stacy was the one that taught me Asana. Um, but I definitely, I can definitely see that being a big tool for you, especially as many teams as you have in as many time zones. I was very thankful. I only have um, one coworker that I work with every day. I've got multiple coworkers, but one I work with every day. Um, and her and I, we did during COVID, we would have coffee catch-ups. So we would call each other twice a week, or we'd FaceTime, I guess, and we'd have our coffee there, and we would just do a quick, like, how are you doing? Like, checking in on your mental health, like, you know. What are you struggling with? Is everything good? And then we would go into, okay, here's where I'm at on this. Here's what I found out about this. You know, this is where I'm struggling. And we use Asana too. Um, I just need to get better at it. <laughs> it's hard. Like you have to go all in on a project management tool. And so there's definitely other tools, um, monday.com, Trello, Basecamp. I'm just a hardcore Asana person. Um, so it is hard to kind of commit to the conversation on there. But what I think you did really well is to have, you know, once a week or twice a week, touch in with your teammates and figure out where you're at. First off, how are they doing as a human? That's a huge part um, that's missing when you're remote. You can't see if someone's having a bad day or it's a little bit harder to see if they're having a bad day or it's a little bit harder to know if their demeanor's off or something like that. Those different cues that you would pick up if you were face-to-face -face in an office, it's harder to do remotely. So I think it's really cool that you made the conscious effort to say, hey, let's touch base, you know, see how you're doing, your mental health, and then we'll go into how work projects are going. It's definitely, you need to be able to balance both because if you're dealing with things personally, I, I can't focus at work. You know, I can't focus if I know someone's sick or the house is a mess. And so being able to be honest with my team, you know, I was up all night with Faye or something like that just allows me to show up better. And so I think it's really neat that you had the forethought to do that with your teammate. Yeah, it was a really good tool for us. And I mean, we were both nervous. I had worked from home a little bit before. But it's a lot different when you're like, okay, like neither one of us needs to be at the office. How, how are we going to do what? And how are you going to make sure no balls get dropped? So that was a good way for us to one kind of catch in with each other, get some human interaction. She has a husband. 
Um, so for me, it was just like, oh, a human. But she even thought too, like it was good for her to see someone else besides her husband. Yeah, definitely. It was one of those things where um, it was really nice to spend additional time with some of your loved ones, but there were definitely times where I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk by myself. <laughs> I need to talk to someone other than a toddler and my husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it is so funny because I think we all take that for granted until you can't do it anymore. I know for me, I took for granted being able to go to church. Oh, completely. Um, because you, you forget that that's such a big part of your community or, you know, if you were involved in a, some sort of other civic group or something like that, like you forget that's a huge part of your community. Mm -hmm. And to have those changes, it kind of ripples into everything that you do. Back to that kind of mental health piece. My Sunday looks different because I'm not going to church anymore, or I pick up groceries in a really different way now, or I'm nervous. Am I going back to work tomorrow? Or is it going, am I going back into work tomorrow? Or am I going to be home for another couple of weeks? I had some friends that said, you know, I'm holding out. I'm really setting out up an office. I think I'm going to go back into the office here soon. And then it, as the weeks went on, they're like still working from home in my makeshift, makeshift office. And I'm like, no, you just got to set it up. You just have to commit to it because here we are several months later. So kind of in this limbo. Yeah. And I do think there is something to be said about when you're working from home. For me, it was really important to create a new routine. So if I wasn't going to be community anymore, what do I do at that time? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I made a conscious effort like every morning before, because you know, the first two days, I'm like, I'm just gonna wake up, hit feet hit the floor hair all in a mess on the top of my head and I'm just going to dig in and get to work. Well, you really do kind of need that. You just need some time before you jump in. Cause if your feet go straight in the floor and into crisis mode of like, how are you going to fix all this and make it all happen? Like you've already started your day off on the wrong foot in a hurry and anxiety. Yeah. Whereas if I got up, I went in and I, you know, if even if you didn't change into actual work clothes, just change your clothes like you would, you know, go brush your hair, brush your teeth, maybe go get a shower, whatever your normal routine was, go get a cup of coffee. I was really good about going outside every morning, at least for about 20 minutes, and then coming in. And then that way, I did feel like I had some sort of morning before I started. Yeah. That point about being outside is really smart, especially since that's traditionally a part of your morning routine, you know, having that commute. I'm a huge advocate for following some type of morning routine. And I'll be honest, since I traditionally work from home and pre-COVID, I did not do a lot of video chats. Um, I rarely do my hair or rarely put makeup on, but I would always at least run through the shower and completely rinse off. I found if I just washed my face in the sink, it wouldn't wake me up and it wouldn't make my workday feel official. I think sometimes whether you're working from home or owning your own business, the validity piece kind of can be a little point of question. And so by getting ready, even if that meant putting on new leggings, um, it was a way to start the day. And then my other hack, if I really had to get focused, I would put shoes on. So I'm traditionally someone who loves to be barefoot. 
Um, but by putting tennis shoes on, it just made me feel that much more ready, that much more prepared for the day. And now I'm someone who, if I really like have an important phone call or an important presentation, I'll put heels on, you know, kind of like your power heels, but even just putting tennis shoes on to start the work day kind of signaled that we're starting the day. We're here to be efficient. Um, and just got me off on the right foot. Yeah, I love the idea of putting your, I never thought about that, but I love the idea of putting your shoes on or your power heels. Um, Cause I, I think a lot of people went into zoom meetings all the time that maybe weren't doing zoom meetings before. I know I did way more zoom meetings. Um, and there is a, there is something you said about, you know, doing your hair, doing your makeup, at least throwing on a nice dress shirt or a blazer just that way there's some sort of, um, I don't want to say like professionalism is the word. Cause you, I mean, you are trying to be professional, but there's some intentionality to it. You know, you're getting ready. You're in the right mindset. Yeah. And I definitely think the zoom piece, even as people who worked from home prior to this new arrangement, I was never on zoom as much as I am now. And zoom fatigue is a very real thing. You know, we talk about it within the team since we are remote and we all have different time zones. There's a lot of power to coming together face to face or, you know, screen to screen over zoom to talk. But when you do it for an extended period, it's tiring. And I know I'm an introvert. And so I always pull that card out as, oh, it's so human to human um, activity, but it's also it's the screen that you're looking at. It's the conversations that you're trying to have. You know, you're thinking if you're in a bid, um, like a Monday team meeting. And for one client, you know, there's like 30 faces. You're sitting there trying to make sure you look like you're engaged and look like you're active. You know, that wears on you. And so I think if we would go back into another stay at home order, trying to be more thoughtful about zoom fatigue would be something I need to focus on because I know my family has definitely felt like I'm just wiped out when I come in for supper some nights. And my husband's like, what did you do? You sat in front of your computer all day. I'm like, but I had my camera on all day and people were looking at me and, um, you know, I was talking to people face to face. Yeah. And the thing I found most helpful when it came to zoom fatigue is some of the meetings I was in, whoever was leading the meeting, they started off with, okay, here's our expectations. Um, you know, when we have a presenter going on, everybody can turn their cameras off. It's less, you know, less of a distraction, but also kind of gives everyone a break and they can just focus on the speaker. Cause you're right though. In a normal meeting, we don't see ourselves and you do sit there and you're like, oh gosh, like, can everybody see how greasy these roots are? Or like, you know, during COVID, if you had dyed hair, you're like, oh gosh, look at my roots. Like, you know, does everybody think I like live under a rock or whatever it was? And and some people zoom hair, you know, when you weren't getting your hair cut, <laughs> sometimes you would look at Zoom meetings and you're like, oh, I've never seen you <laughs> yeah, like this. Not dressed to the nines. Or, um, you know, barbershops weren't open. And so my siblings and I were all cutting our spouse's hair. And my sister and my little sister ended up cutting my older brother's hair and just butchered it. It was so, so bad. And so he said for a couple Zoom meetings, he just like had his hat pulled down real low. 
um, until things could grow out a little bit. So we also had that dynamic, um, you know, home haircut, Corona hair, it did not go as planned. Uh, yeah. So I said, next time around, you can just come over, I'll cut your hair. Um, and he just ended up having his wife do it, but it was, it was really, it was bad hair. And he had a lot of Zoom meetings that week. <laughs> of course, that's always the way it is. So Stacy, I ask this question every interview. And I do think no matter how far away you are from 25, it's a powerful question. What would you tell your 25-year-old self? I would tell my 25-year-old self to really focus on mindset. And I know mindset can be kind of a trendy word, but the way you talk to yourself and the way you think about things really affect your ability to work. And so, you know, one thing I've noticed in these years of growth is that I would, I'm an Enneagram six. So I do have an internal committee that is telling me everything they want to tell me. But also I noticed that, you know, I would, I would question if I was working hard enough or I was questioning if I did enough in, in a day. And on the surface level, that looks like, wow, you know, you're really pushing yourself to make sure you're working hard and you're getting your stuff done and you're servicing your clients. But that can quickly become a negative mindset and it can quickly come and become a narrative where you're saying you're not doing enough because you're not good at this job or you're not doing enough because you're imposter syndrome and being a phony or something like that. And so that mindset and how you talk to yourself really does affect how you go through life and how you approach different situations. And so I would tell my 25 year old self to talk to yourself more like you would talk to your best friend. And that doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of hard love or, you know, challenge yourself to be better, but be careful about what you're taking in or how you're talking to yourself, because it's going to come out in the way you do your work or show up or approach a challenge. Yeah. And what I love about you is we share the same Enneagram number. Um, so I also feel that way a lot of times. I think that's advice I need at 27 as well. Um, so I have to ask you this question because I do like hearing people's Enneagram numbers. As six, we are considered loyalists, but we're also considered like disaster preparedness. So do you feel like during COVID when everybody was like stocking up like crazy on toilet paper and panicking and worst case scenario, did you find that it was a little bit comforting or just amusing how the world was reacting based on your Enneagram sixness? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say I went in to handling COVID in a very systematic way. Like we are going to make sure we have everything that we need, but I'm not overly worried because I traditionally have, you know, a lot of toilet paper on stock or um, the freezer was full of beef. And so I did kind of laugh a little bit about the people who are like, oh, I don't have any supplies or anything to handle, you know, whatever situation. I traditionally have a lot of Clorox wipes on hand because again, I like to keep a full pantry. So yeah, I guess I was a little bit amused, but I would say I did have to keep, um, you know, the fear side of my personality in check because there were a few moments where, you know, like Derek would cough or something and I would say, okay, 
let's discuss how we're going to handle this situation if you would get COVID. And he would just roll his eyes and say, seriously, Stacy." And I like to be prepared. So yes, we had a lot of conversations about if one of us got COVID, how we would handle it and what we would do with the kids and this, that, and the other thing. Um, sometimes I think my husband just tries to appease me and goes along with the conversations, but I'm proactive. And so when the rest of the world catches up and decides to have their family COVID plan, if someone would fall down with COVID, um, I'd love to share notes because I've thought through all the different situations. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. So when everybody was like running and I can't find toilet paper, I'm like, who's not buying this? Like I always buy, like I have two bathrooms in my house. So I always buy both bathrooms, a big packet, a piece, because even though I live alone, I don't ever want to run out. Mm -hmm. I'm always keeping like a, what are my stapled items? And you know, if I use one up, then I automatically put it on my Kroger click list. So that way you never run out. It, but it was, and and then when people were like playing the worst case scenario, I was like, yeah, I know, I, I know that's what I thought of it. like I already thought of it. Like I've already run through worst case scenario. I run through this all the time. You're yeah. all just catching up. Yes, yes, <laughs> completely. Or like my husband got to the point where he wouldn't even ask a question. He would just wait for me to tell him how we were going to handle the situation because I had already thought about it. Oh yeah. I love like protocols and plans and this is what we're going to do. Um, on episode two, I joked with Lida that, you know, I'm the person that's sitting there thinking like, okay, if I was in a, in a shipwreck, what would my protocol be? Now the likelihood of me like driving a ship that would get wrecked anytime soon, probably not, but I'm always thinking like, okay, what would my protocol be if X and X happened? And it's not always bad stuff. Sometimes it's like, okay, if I got a raise, what would be my plan with that money? Would I, you know, would I put this much back for savings or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm always thinking systematically, what do we need to do? And I just thought everyone was that way. Like it was so, when I first found out about Enneagram, like most people, I really did not like the reading. I'm like, I'm not a fear monger. I'm not a doomsdayer. And my husband's great for shining a mirror back at me. And he's like, who always has to sit with their back against the wall when we go to a restaurant? Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> Who always thinks about how they would escape this house if a burglar came to the front door? Who, and I said, someone who's really prepared. Someone who thinks through things. And he like now just, we've known each other for 10 plus years. So he just goes along with it and kind of jokes around. But I just thought everyone thought through that. Like, so my office is um, a second garage and they lived here while they were building the house. So this upstairs has a little kitchenette. It has a full bathroom. So this was going to be where you moved in if you got COVID. And my husband was like, only you, Stacy, you would think through this. And I said, but you know what the worst part of this plan is? you would be living upstairs and there's only one staircase to get up there. If a robber would break into my office, I have really thought through different ways how I would protect myself, but it would be hard. You might have to jump out the window. And my husband's like, Stacy, if I had COVID and a burglar broke into the office, 
I just think like we would have a better luck at winning the lottery. And I said, okay, don't ask for my protocol plan. If someone breaks it and you have COVID up here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm always that way too. And I'm always like, okay, so if I got locked out of my house, what would I do? And you know, if I'm at my office and there's a fire, does everybody have a way out? Right. Um, and I think, I think the world needs sixes. I really do. This wasn't meant to go on a tangent on uh, Enneagram, <laughs> but what's Derek's number? I'm very curious to know. He's a three. Oh. He's three wing two. And so that is what makes it really funny about our personalities coming together. So he's an achiever and we will sometimes, you're never supposed to use someone's Enneagram against them and not to go on this Enneagram tangent, but I love talking to you about Enneagram. So I try not to use his three against him, but I obviously know what I can do to like, you know, get him to get the girls dressed or something or just something that I don't want to do. I will kind of manipulate him a little bit. He's always, you know, making sure things look nice and achievable. And so that'll sometimes overcome when I'm sitting over here, like, what are we going to do if a tree falls on the house? Uh, so it's fun. We, we really like the Enneagram and it really opens up conversations just about what motivates you and how you handle different situations. And I think you know, most people don't know I'm a six. And so I'm sharing it live on a podcast. This is exclusive, exclusive news for you, Ashley. Um, you heard it first, folks. <laughs> first. But I think knowing what your spouse is and knowing what motivates them or what your coworker, uh, what their Enneagram number is, it is really helpful. Like I have an eight on my team and I love that most of the time. It's but sometimes yeah, sometimes <laughs> I have to walk up to that eight. Yeah, and tell her to calm down. Tell her like, "Where's the nine? We need the peacekeeper to come into the room and like uh, balance it out." But you know, to back to the working remotely, knowing people's personality types, and I love the Myers Briggs and the DISC and the color and all those things. Um, but they're only as powerful as, um, your education on the different systems. So we have really dove into Enneagram at McCracken Co and knowing each other's numbers and knowing what motivates them, or they know when sometimes like we go on trade shows and I ask them specific questions about where are you staying or how are you going to handle this situation? Sometimes they know it's just Stacey's Enneagram sits coming out to make sure they're prepared. And it might not even be questions, you know, that are negative or doomsdayer, but to make sure we show up and we have the clipboards and we have the pieces of paper and we have the bottles of water, you know, just we are as prepared as we can. So then we can show up to serve our client. Yeah. And for me, like being prepared is kindness too. Cause I'm a big, like if, and, it's, and, and I always beat myself up if I don't see something before it happens. Um, but yeah, for me, like being prepared and knowing what I'm going to ask people to do and what's going to be expected of us is always just in my mind, a way to be kind. But I like the Enneagram too from a, I use it a lot. Like, like you said, you're not supposed to use it against people, but I find sometimes it helps me give grace to other people because I know they're not just being difficult to be difficult. Mm-hmm this is probably what, what's driving them. 
And I think it's funny that you had the same reaction that I did when I found out I was a six. When I found out I was a six, you know, you do the little test. Um, Melinda Witten actually told me to do the test. So Melinda told me to do the test. So I did it. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And it comes up with a six loyalist. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. And then you read the thing and you're like, I literally was like, this is bull crap. And I slammed my computer shut. Mm-hmm. And the reason was, is because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> and I felt very, uh, very exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't like being think of the person that's like the negative Nancy and the devil's advocate all the time. And the person that's always doomsday. Because mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes when I'm prepping for things, it's not because it's doomsday. It's just, okay, so if we rock this event out of the park how are we gonna share the great work um you know it's not always doomsday (laughs) yeah and back to that mindset piece like learning over these last several years to have the positive mindset about you know what a healthy six looks like um you know my husband will tell you when I'm not in a healthy position and that is when I'm worried about a bad guy breaking down our front door or something obnoxious. But when I mean a healthy six, I'm thinking about, okay, are we doing everything we can to rock at this live event? You know, have we thought about the tables and the chairs and um, all the little details? I think, you know, what I really admire about your work, Ashley, is you're able to look at the little details, but then also look at the big picture and the ability to zoom in and out um, allows you to be more effective and allows you to think about an overall goal, but then don't forget to have, you know, pens at the table or something little like that. Yeah. And I feel that it's good to be able to zoom in and out because the overall goal for me a lot of times is you know, really sharing a message or making sure that we drive something home. Well, if someone gets there and we don't have their name tag ready for them, so then they have to shuffle to get a name tag or we don't have the proper paperwork. So then they're trying to look off somebody else's. And I just, I feel like all those little distractions will take away from the big picture. Mm -hmm. And I love the loyalist side of being an Enneagram six, like I really do value relationships and I really value, um, you know, who I work for and how I interact with them. And I tell people all the time and especially my teammates, you know, when we're spending a client's dollar, you better be acting like it's your dollar. And we just came back from a bit, a big video shoot and we had some people giving us a hard time that, we were just going to simple places for meals. You know, we were picking up pizza um, or we picked up Jimmy John's one day and my coworker said, well, Stacy reminds us always to be really frugal with our money. And they were giving this person a hard time. And she said, well, if I was out and about spending my own dollar, I wouldn't be spending it at a steakhouse. So I'm not going to be spending your dollar that way. And I was in a bath, like air pumping, like, yes, I taught him well. Um, but it's so true. Like that loyalist side, um, I try to treat people with the utmost respect. And I try to enter situations and client conversations truly focused on what's the best interest of everyone. You know, if it's not in the best interest of our clients, which then boils down to farmers, um, 
then it's not in the best interest of McCraft and Co. to execute that, pro that project. So yes, an Enneagram 6 can have some quirky sides to it uh, with our need to prepare. But I think we, we made pretty good friends and colleagues. <laughs> yes. I, for me, I love what you said because I'm very frugal with money too, whether it's mine or somebody else's. But I'm also very worried a lot of times about people's time. And I think the older I get, the more important I feel the value of time is. Because really, that's like the one thing in life you can't get back. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working with volunteers in my job, I know that time is money. And time is away from their families and their farms and their operations and jobs and things. So when I'm asking them to come out and do something important, like I want to make sure every minute is worth it. Which... I then get called a time Nazi because I'm very much like, okay, we're starting this meeting. We're ending this meeting at this time. Because if that's what I told people, I want to make sure I'm not holding them up. I completely yeah, agree. I love the loyalist side too. And we make really great friends, by the way. We like, do. Yeah. I feel like Enneagram sixes are like the best kind of friends because you could go do something really stupid and I'm going to be like, yeah, that probably wasn't your best decision, but here's what you learned. And I still love you. Now go out there and be a good, good human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if you, if, if I lose someone's trust, it's really hard to overcome that. But as long as you like, if I have someone directly lie to my face, that's hard to recover from. But otherwise you can do anything else. Anything else is free game. And I'm like, that's pretty funny. Can't wait until we can laugh about it. I'm, I'm still here with you. Like that's, I don't know. Yeah. Once we're friends, it's really hard to shake me. <laughs> right. Like you're stuck with me. So sorry. You're stuck with me. Yes. <laughs> well, this has been an awesome conversation and I'm just, I'm always so glad to see you. You're always such a fun human being to be around and we connect so well because I think we think alike and half the time I swear you're reading my mind knowing what I'm going to say, but Stacey, if people want to connect with you to talk about working from home, managing teams remotely, using Asana, or even, you know, what the heck are these Enneagram six girls talking about? How can they connect with you? Yes. You, um, I would love to hang out on Instagram at Stacy McCracken, or you can jump over to McCracken dot or McCracken co.com. Uh, which is the company website, and you can find my contact information there. Yes, please don't hesitate to reach out if you uh, want to learn more about working from home or Asana. I actually have a, a deep love of helping people get on Asana. I'm that nerd that loves to plan a project and then ship it off into the world. So if I could help you work better um, as a team or navigate this remote setup, I'd be more than happy to help. Asana is my love language. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I truly appreciate it. And I hope that we get out of this COVID crisis sometime this year. Um, but if we don't, I just know that you're going to do really great. And I hope that this isn't the only time uh, we can ever have you on the show because you've been such a fun guest. Uh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so friends, if you haven't already, like always, go subscribe to the podcast. Uh, that's how you can make sure that you get every podcast episode. Also, go and like the Instagram and the Facebook page. That way you can meet the guests every single week before they come on. 
Um, and I always connect the show notes to those platforms as well. So until next time, folks, I hope that you stay safe, you stay healthy, and you enjoy life over a beer. Cheers. <laughs>